There we go. Father God, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this moment. Lord, and I pray for anyone here today or anyone listening to this subsequently or listening on the podcast, God, that you would bless them today as you bless me in prepping it. God, I just pray that you would meet us in this moment, Lord, and that we wouldn't go away and completely forget what's been said, Lord, but Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts that we would live our Mondays differently, that we would have a greater hope, a greater peace, a greater joy, Lord, that Christmas wouldn't just be that fluffy, nice, festive time of year with some presents and stuff like that, but that it would be that reminder point in our year of the revolutionary thing that you did in our lives and in the whole lives of humanity. Lord, I pray that today we would leave here in a different place. In your mighty name, amen. So guys, great to be sharing with you today. We're still going through our Christmas series. And this Christmas, the challenge was, don't just look at the fun, fluffy, nice, soft stuff. But look into the face of Jesus. Look into who he is, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That God's been working in us this Christmas to prepare us for 2020, laying some new cultural foundations, reminders for us in our lives to take us onward into 2020. Last week, we spoke about Christmas joy. And that culture of joy growing in us. This message this week is called Christmas Peace. That we're reminded about the peace brought to us at Christmas. However, that word peace can just be such a word used. You find it on, on Christmas cards and we'll sing about it in songs. And it can end up beginning to get a little bit normalized. That the life-changing truth of Christmas peace doesn't touch our everyday lives. It's kind of put off in some box that we kind of see as a thing, as a concept, rather than something that revolutionizes our everyday lives. Certainly, it can be one of those things that maybe we feel, oh yeah, Christmas is so lovely, but then January the 1st comes and we don't carry these truths that we're reminded about in Christmas into our next year. So today what we're going to be doing is challenging our peace. Our peace. Where do you get your peace from? Where is your peace rooted and grounded? Where's the source of your peace? We're going to pull back that curtain a bit on that Christmas peace that was announced by the angels of the coming Christ and see how it can affect our lives every day. So I just want to chuck out a big idea for you guys. Did Actually, I'm not, yeah, I did do a slide for that. Big idea that peace is a gift. Peace is a gift, not a response to your circumstance, i.e., our circumstance shouldn't steal our peace, and yet so often it does. And this is the idea we've got to hold today that peace is a gift, not a response, that we kind of feel peaceful because our circumstances warrant us being peaceful. So I've got five points today. Okay, we'll be here till January 1st. We've got five points today to kind of go through to help us better understand. Don't worry, they're shorter points. To help us better understand this peace that was brought to us at the first Christmas. So firstly, Christmas shalom. 
Christmas shalom, Christmas peace, that word shalom, this fullness of peace. Luke 2, 14, it's the angels, and they say, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Really well-known verse, so important we don't just skip over it. What is peace? Because we use that word for all sorts of meanings. Just give me some peace. And when we're saying that, we really mean, leave me alone. Or we mean, I just need some quiet. But that isn't the peace that's spoken about at Christmas. That isn't the peace that's spoken about in this verse. The Hebrew word for peace is that word, shalom. And shalom is a phrase that can be explained as the reconciliation of all things to him through Christ, this completeness of peace in all and everything. See, this fullness of reconciliation of everything that is in existence and existing contrary to the peace of God, contrary to God's peace. Many things in the world like that. Colossians 1, 19 to 20 speaks of this. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him speaking of Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace by making peace this shalom this completeness of peace by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see that that is a truth you've got to hold, guys. This first Colossians verse 20 that peace comes because of the blood, because of the sacrifice, because of the cross. The Bible speaks a lot about peace and how that is the state that we're called to live in. That it's not just some sideline thing occasionally mentioned, it is central to our lives as believers. It's a place that we're called to live in and expected to live in because it is a gift. It's been given to us by Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace. Not just any peace, but my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That is a massive verse. That's huge for us. That Jesus gives us his peace and then afterwards says, because I've done that, don't be troubled in your heart. Never be afraid. See, that's a glimpse of Christmas peace. That is a, that it is a free gift that you do not need to earn that is not based on circumstance. It it, it is a peace that says you never need to fear again, that your heart never needs to be troubled again. Never have a troubled heart. You've got to take hold of that, because that is a promise of Christmas, and that will completely change 2020 for you, because I'm sure in the past year we've had times where we've been afraid or had troubled hearts. Let that sink into you. Just as you have this assurance of salvation, because our salvation is not earned, but it is a gift of God, isn't it? That we receive by faith. Ephesians 2 speaks of that. But we haven't earned it in any way. It's a gift of God. So too, peace is a gift of God. And 
The gift, we can have confidence in it because it is a gift given by him in the same way that salvation's been given by him. See, Jesus, after his resurrection, appears to the disciples and he says this. I'm going to read John 20, 19, 21, 26. It's all in that, they're all kind of close verses, but it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Suddenly, the doors are all locked and Jesus appears and what does he say to them? He says, Peace be with you. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. This shalom be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. It's a phrase that's been said for generations and generations. I grew up in Church of England, and that's something that was often said. Peace be with you, and also with you. It's what we say at the end of the service. That It's a phrase that can just be normalized, but it's so huge. If you think about it, see, that's the thing that Jesus says when he first comes and appears to these guys. Peace be with you. That means no fear, no troubled heart. See, it's not a wish. It is a reminder of the truth that the peace, the peace, the Prince of Peace. It's a reminder that the resurrection is standing in the room with you. See, and if he is standing in the room with you, the one who said, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. If he's standing in the room with you and he is declaring peace over you, his peace, and saying, peace be with you, because it's his peace he's given them. What is there to fear? What is there to fear? What can make your heart troubled? See, you guys, you need to get that revelation that whatever room you may be in, you may feel that you've got all the doors locked because you're afraid someone's coming to attack you, but Jesus is in the room with you. Peace is in the room with you. That is this Christmas shalom, this completeness and wholeness of peace that came into the world. A gift that is not based on your performance or your efforts or your circumstances, but based on a sure and certain knowledge that the beginningless one, the resurrection and the life, the Prince of Peace is standing in the room with you. And guys, our vision, part of our vision as a church is to be family. Our vision is family in harbor. And part of our vision as family is that we would live as the family of God. We need to live in that place of peace. In that place of peace between us and God, between each other and in ourselves to live as the family of God in this place. People will see us and be like, wow, they have an amazing peace. They love each other so much. There is such unity amongst them. That's incredible. If they say, well, those guys look really worried about so much stuff all the time. It doesn't seem so great to be a Christian, does it? I don't quite understand it because the Bible says, I read it, it says, don't be troubled about anything. But they always seem to be worried about everything. See, Jesus came that first Christmas to bring peace to man. That there would be this peace between God and man. This shalom between us within, within the church and actually just within humanity itself and also a peace within our own hearts. 
that the peace as well, it wasn't a surprise. It didn't catch people off guard. Oh, that's weird that he's speaking about peace. It wasn't an abstract concept. It, it was a gift challenging the world. You can live in peace now. It's something that had been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So let's speak about that. Number two, the coming peace. The coming peace that came that first Christmas. Peace was prophesied. Peace was promised. The prophets pointed to a future peace that would come, that would be completely different to this kind of man-made human peace that I kind of feel okay, and so, that's, that's, so I feel peaceful. But this peace that goes beyond all understanding that was coming into the world. A peace that would bring this complete and fullness of shalom into the world. In Isaiah 11, that's the part where Isaiah prophesied about one who was coming from the root of Jesse, who the Spirit of the Lord would be upon, who the Spirit of wisdom would be on. And then slightly further down in that same chapter, that's the part where it speaks about the wolf will lie down with the lamb, that the leopard would lie with the goat, that the child would play by the mouth of the cobra's den. It's speaking about this reconciliation of all things, this reconciliation of things which are outside of peace being brought back into peace. The prophets taught that, the on, that, that, that only God can bring peace, not through effort, not through human ingenuity, but only God makes peace. That is not of human making, but it is a gift of God. And that that shalom would come into the earth through a coming Messiah. Isaiah writes that in this verse here. Isaiah 9, 6-7. For, for, un, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Because at the time when he's writing that, there is a conflict, and the big conflict is between God and man. See, that was written, Isaiah's written 700 years before Jesus. This shalom peace is prophesied. This shalom is the most basic culture within the kingdom. And actually in the kingdom, the culture of peace is something that, that exemplifies it. That's why we need to grasp it, because now... Today you would say you're a believer in Jesus. The Bible says that you've been moved from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. So you live in a whole fresh and different culture. That you are now a citizen of that culture. You're a citizen of that kingdom. See, a kingdom of peace was heralded. A kingdom of peace has come. And that is now the culture that you live in because you are now born again. You live in the kingdom. If you're not living in peace... You're living like a citizen of another country. The example I often give is like it's like living in a country or growing up in a country that doesn't have free health care. And then you go to another country that has free health care. But then you end up dying because you don't go to hospital because you think you don't have enough money to go to the hospital when it was actually free. You weren't living in the rights of this new country. You weren't living in the rights of, as a citizen of this new place. Peace had come. It's why the shepherds say in that Luke 2.14 verse, we'll just chuck it up again, that on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
That first Christmas, Jesus, the prophesied Prince of Shalom, was coming into the world. And this peace, this shalom, becomes the culture of the kingdom, the culture of the church upon the earth. It's the beautiful life that we're called to live in as his family, as his church here, to bring in and demonstrate. Paul writes about the culture of the kingdom, what, what it's like to live within the kingdom. He says this in Romans 14, 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That when we're living in the kingdom, peace and joy, as we're living our lives, and you'll see right at the end why the Holy Spirit's important, that's, what, that's really what culture is, what it looks like to live in the kingdom. We're now living in the prophesied times where his peace has been given to us. He came at Christmas and he brought peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. We're supposed to live like God, look like God, reflect God. The church, that we aren't supposed to be disordered and in conflict and in strife with each other, but living in peace in this place. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of peace. It is the good news of peace. The Bible really goes on and on about this thing, peace and shalom, this wholeness back into the world. Ephesians 6.15 says, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Acts 10, 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace. It's so important that we understand when we communicate the gospel with people, we're talking about this fullness of peace, that they can now have peace with God. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That means the good news of shalom, the good news of peace with God, this completeness of peace that fills every sphere, every sphere of life, not just Sunday Christian life, but every, or church life, every sphere of every area into that, because of the gospel of peace, peace has come. Ephesians 2, 17. What did Jesus do? He came. And he preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. Peace is the message. Peace is the message. It's this beautiful truth that in Christ and through Christ, we've entered into that peace, his peace. It's a gift to us that we've entered into that, that it is not of yourself and your own effort to earn or in your own ingenuity to create life in a way and pray really hard that God would help you do that so that your circumstances would warrant you being able to live in peace. No, it's peace. We received peace that first Christmas when the Prince of Peace came to dwell amongst us, when Emmanuel, God with us, peace with us was there. And though, sorry, and through his life and his death and his resurrection, he brought peace. He brought this shalom, this completeness of peace for your whole life with God, with others, and within yourself. 
So that's just where we're going to go into just for the rest of today is peace with God, peace with others, peace within ourselves. So peace between God and man. There is this rift, this separation and conflict between God and man. And the only way peace is brought into that, the only, the only balm to heal that is through Jesus. God's heart has always been to live in peace with mankind, to have a relationship with them. We know that he set up the tabernacle, didn't he? To come and dwell in the presence of his people. He's got a heart for us. But you see, the sin breaks that peace. And we see way back in the book of Numbers, we see this God's heart of seeking peace between God and man, pursuing us. In Numbers 25, 12, it says, Therefore, tell him, I am making a covenant of peace with him. That's an unbrokable promise of peace. God seeks peace. And back then, that kind of with the system of sacrifices, there's this temporary peace in Christ, and only in Christ, do we have the new covenant in his blood, the unending peace that brings this unending shalom between God and between man. Jesus reconciles us to God. He reconciles us through his sacrifice to God. There is no other way. Your works, your good deeds are never enough. The be a good person and then one day you get to go to heaven. That isn't what the Bible says. That's a different doctrine. It's a doctrine called works. Galatians 3.10 says, For all who rely on the, on the works of the law are under a curse. As it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. I don't know if anyone's ever been cursed before, but I don't think it's very peaceful. Right? Being cursed isn't very peaceful. Peace comes through grace, which is only found in Christ. Isaiah writes about the wicked and how they have no peace. Isaiah 57, 20, 21, it says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing, because we all fall short. Really, we're all wicked. But Jesus is treated as the wicked deserve to be treated, as you and I deserve to be treated. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him, speaking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus takes upon himself our sin and is judged for it. Jesus loses fellowship with the Father. He loses relationship there with the Father. He experiences unimaginable agony. Do you remember Jesus says he's dying? It says in Matthew 27, where he calls out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To forsake someone is to turn your back on them, to turn your face away from them, to not come through for them. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experiences infinite pain and torment so that you and I can know endless peace. 
And it's a peace, which is a gift, not something that comes and goes with how spiritual you're feeling, how much you prayed that week, how close to God you are at that time. See, circumstance doesn't diminish that peace. It's a gift. John 14, 27 says, we read this at the beginning, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There is reconciliation between you and God because of Jesus. That should give this ultimate peace that there's no fear just this gift of peace between you and your Father in heaven. But we receive this peace, not just for peace between us and God, but so there would be peace between us as church and as us within the world. So peace between people. Christmas means peace between people. It's quite a popular message out there, Christmas time. People have always been at each other's throats. We still are. War and conflict, division, offence, all these things. It's probably the biggest issue in church, actually. It's to do with people getting offended with each other, getting upset with each other. But the peace that came that first Christmas challenges all that. It says, it's a church. We need to be challenged in that. I challenge us as a church in that. See, when we have experienced the lengths God went to to bring peace between us and him, when we experience it and when we, when we know that, even though the conflict was our fault because we sinned. See, even because of that, even though that happened, God still sought reconciliation with you, even though you were the one that sinned. And that's why the Bible says, for conflict resolution in church, even if you are, you realize that you are the one who has been sinned against, i.e. God, to live as God lives and to, to reflect God into the world, then even if you are the offended party, you should go and make reconciliation. You should go and seek reconciliation. Too often people harden their hearts and say, well, I was offended, I've forgiven them, which really means I haven't forgiven them. Okay? I've forgiven them and I'm going to wait for them to come and speak to me. It's not what the Bible says. It's not what we do to resolve and bring peace. Or maybe we just kind of ignore it and say, I've forgiven them, but I'm not going to speak to them. Well, that's not forgiveness either. It's not reconciliation. And the bitterness can grow. You can always tell it by the fruit. The course of action you're choosing is it producing joy and hope and peace and love and unity, or actually, is there something withering in the situation? Why should the offended party seek reconciliation? Because we value peace, we value shalom amongst. Uh, we value that shalom amongst us as a church more than we hold value over our pride, over being right, over winning something over someone else who comes very, very sorry to say sorry to you. We're called to live like God, always seeking peace, always seeking reconciliation. And it may mean having the tough conversations. Say, you really upset me. And I'm here speaking to you today because I'm seeking peace, I'm seeking unity. I love you, we need to sort this thing out. 
How do we live in that place? How do we live in that place of peace? See, Jesus brings peace between people. Our peace we get from God as a gift through the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to maintain unity and love with other people because we live in this place of continual forgiveness, continual patience with them. Colossians 3, 13 to 15 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What is ruling in your heart? Is it peace or something else? Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You were called to this shalom, this complete unity and togetherness and oneness. And be thankful. So Christ is our peace. And through his death on the cross has removed all barriers between us and him. All barriers that divide us and separate us and challenges us in the love that we've experienced from him and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's growing in us live in that same peace between each other. See, to live the vision of being family, how many people know we've got to live in that place because that is a different community that's different from the world. And lastly, peace in yourself. Peace in yourself. Too often, our hearts are in turmoil because of circumstances, but he promises us his peace for all areas of life. Peace in our sleeping, this is just some, peace in our sleeping, Psalm 4.8, you can read, read it coming out. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You know, if you're here today and you have sleep issues, because sometimes they're things we don't speak about, but if you have ter- terrible nightmares, things that keep you up at night, though, that kind of thing, that, that isn't okay. Let's pray about it. Come and speak to me about it. Let's pray and, and see, what, see what God does. Let's receive that peace into that area. Peace in our mind and thinking as well. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Hold that word trust. Trust in you. Trust and peace have a lot linked. See, when you face calamity, what will you trust in? Him or the fear of the situation? Him or the fear of the situation? We have peace because of our assurance of salvation. Isaiah 32, 17, the fruit of that righteousness will be peace, i.e. everything the righteousness we've received from Christ should manifest itself in our life with this just assurance of peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Like we read earlier in Colossians 1.20, all who believe in the gospel will experience this peace of reconciliation between them and God through the blood of Christ. Jesus brings us the peace of God, peace within us for all and any circumstance. Philippians 4, 4 um, 6 to 7 says this. It says, Paul's writing and he says, don't be anxious. He's kind of echoing Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. 
If you know the life of Paul, he had a lot to be anxious about. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, i.e. you're not going to be able to understand it. You need peace that you're not going to be able to logically seek within yourself apart from apart from in the fact that you trust him when we were coming out here i was asked what's your plan b if it doesn't go right i said we're just going with plan a which is trust god because he always comes through which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus See, the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How is your heart and mind guarded? By the peace of God. So you need that, the peace of God. You need to receive it as a gift. And Paul continues in verse 12 by writing about some of his testimonies, some stuff that's happened to him. about having peace in all his different circumstances and he says I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation that's quite a big statement for Paul since he gets shipwrecked quite often and then he gets stoned he gets stoned a lot beaten he gets treated as a god in one place and has animal sacrifice to him his situations aren't kind of like like this they're kind of like they're kind of pretty extreme situations but he's learned to be content in every situation having loads of stuff not having any being a prisoner being free whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want what is strength lived out for every bad situation what is that what's strength lived out in every calamitous situation it's peace it's not an abstract concept it is a gift of god that we need to have so solidly and wholesomely within us that whatever the situation we live in peace it's the ability to live in peace despite circumstances and that strength that peace is a gift his peace gives strength because it guards your hearts and minds that's what we saw in verse 7 from what from losing peace and if you're losing peace what does that mean from letting fear and worry and anxiety in don't let your mind be troubled sorry don't let your heart be troubled don't be anxious see if fear and anxiety come in and take the place of peace what does that mean do you've got the peace of god there you've got something else there if fear and anxiety come in and take the place of god's peace in your life it means that in some way you've stopped trusting him in that particular area example how can i have fear over my finances if i live in peace that he is my provider fear can only enter my heart and anxiety can only enter my heart if i agree with the enemy that maybe god won't provide maybe he won't come through that's the only thing that can allow that in see peace is closely related as well to joy and both of them are closely related 
to trust in God. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, which we spoke about last week, and peace as you, as you, important words, trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. How many people want to be filled with joy and peace? Well, you won't if you don't trust God. As you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Just to speak into last week, joy is God's peace and reconciliation lived out. It's a beautiful statement. Joy is God's peace and reconciliation lived out. That we can be just having this overflowing joy when we're living in peace. Anxiety can steal our joy. We often speak, we spoke last week about the thieves of joy. The God of peace sanctifies us and he grows us. We have fruit born in our life. How is that? How do we get fruit growing in our lives? From the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is producing this fruit in your life as you walk in intimacy with God. As you walk in intimacy with him. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit of God, of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's beautiful that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk with him that this grows in our lives. See, shalom is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is the fullness and completeness of peace that goes beyond your understanding. It is a fruit grown in you by the Holy Spirit as you dwell in intimacy with him. And so my challenge today is not a call to try and be more peaceful or to intellectually try and understand this concept of a gift and uh, I'm just going to kind of spiritually receive it in this some odd conceptual way. But my, my challenge today, or maybe let's call it a request, is for church, for us as a church, in 2020, that we make intimacy with him above everything else. Intimacy with him would be our first priority above all other priorities of your life. If it is, fruit will grow. You will know his voice all the clearer so that when you face disaster, you'll just hear that voice say, don't worry, it's fine, I've got this. Because sometimes the breakthrough's coming two weeks down the line or two months down the line, and you can choose you either live in victory and joy until that point, or you can live in worry and anxiety and calamity and kind of that, oh, calamity's going to come and fear until you reach that point. I remember once spending an entire summer anxious because I couldn't find a job, looking on Google for it. God told me, your future's not on Google, but I just ignored him and spent all month worried on Google. And then God provided a job from that field. And I realized at the end of that, I'd wasted six weeks being worried when actually I could have, I could have lived in joy because I was listening to fear. I wasn't listening to the Father. And so, guys, I really feel for us as well, and take this, make a note of this, that for 2020, that's going to be one of our big words 
God's been putting that very heavily on my heart, that intimacy with him will be a word and a challenge for us in 2020. Because our vision, as we said, is that family, right? That family of God, living with that shalom flowing through our lives. And it will cause joy to rise within us, that we'll have this growing culture of joy, this growing culture of peace, that will just bring that amazing rest into this place. And along with joy, as we take this peace into 2020, we need to remember that we're only going to see that. We're only going to live in that place as we live in intimacy with him. As we live holding tightly with our heads to the heart of God. Like John at the Last Supper with our ears to the very heart of Jesus. So that's my challenge for you guys. Sarah, can I invite you to come back up? Guys, we're going to just go into a little response time now. We do this at the end of the service as well. Just it's a moment before we go out into the busyness, before we go out into the rest of our Sundays, to actually just respond about this stuff, speak to God about it. I know some of you guys here today, you need to experience shalom in certain areas of your life. So we're going to pray in a moment that the Holy Spirit would just begin revealing his peace to you, growing that peace supernaturally in your heart over that area. That you'd have your eyes and your heart opened to why you can have peace over that thing that's stealing your peace. See what's stealing your peace and tell it in the presence of God. You shut up and you sit down there because my God has promised me his peace. So I don't need to have fear, anxiety and a troubled heart anymore. And you know guys, you may not understand it. You may not understand why you can have peace because it is the peace that goes beyond all understanding. You may get the, yeah, but uh, kind of thoughts, but you've got to take them captive. Say no, no. Let that deep peace rest in you right now. You'll feel it. Just speak to the Holy Spirit now. Something will shift. And for us all, make a decision to walk in greater intimacy with him next year. Make it the highest priority of your year. Time aside for him. It may be your last year on planet Earth. I hope not, but it may be. Set time aside for him. Take the next two weeks that we've got in 2019 to make decisions that will impact the next decade of your life. Write them down if you need to do it now and you can only write on a phone. Use your phone if you need. Share them with an accountability person. This may be one of the most important moments of the next decade for you. If you're here today as well or listening to the podcast but you don't know Jesus and you don't follow him and he isn't your Lord, I want to give you that opportunity today to come and just say, hey God, I, I don't fully understand everything but I want to follow you. If that's you, just pray this prayer after me. If you're on the podcast, send us a message if you pray that. If you're here, I'm not going to call you out the front, but just as everyone's eyes are closed, I will ask, invite you to put your hand up. So just pray this with me. Jesus, thank you for coming that first Christmas. Thank you that you desire to know me. Thank you for your peace in my life. 
I receive that right now. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for paying for my sin and making peace between us. Forgive my sins, Lord. I forgive those who've sinned against me and I choose to make you Lord of my life. I choose to follow you from this day forward. Lead me, Lord. In your name. Amen. Guys, just keep your eyes closed. If someone prayed that, make that decision to follow Jesus for the first time, can you just pop your hand in the air? on the podcast feel free to send us a message on the website we'd love to connect with you just going to pray guys if you would like prayer please have your just your palm your hands open in your lap palms facing up and someone will come around and just pray with you if you'd like prayer and then in a bit we'll go into our last song Lord, I thank you for today and I pray that your peace would settle on us and rest in us. Lord, that the deep reality of your peace would grow in us. Holy Spirit, take us to a new level in your peace. Take us to a new level in your peace in our lives, in the things that we've got, in the challenges we have, in the potential fears that the future holds, God, that we would be grounded and strong in your peace, God. Lord, I pray that the peace that goes beyond all understanding would just be our culture in this place, God. That we would rest not in our ability or in someone else's promise, but in your promise, God. In your beautiful and awesome name, come fill this place just now. Minister to hearts just now, Holy Spirit. Amen.